Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood good saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 7 30 to 8 thank you to you our loyal listener for getting up and listening to great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership here in the low country i am your host or one of your hosts eric cox Unfortunately, not here with my co-host this morning. She is still on summer break, and that would be Leslie Haywood. So hopefully she is enjoying her time. And hopefully you have been patient with us over the last few weeks as I've been out myself. And we had to air a couple of reruns, uh, a couple of great shows, by the way. I think last week we had Amir Golistan that we reran uh, from Mike Foe, which is a great company here in Charleston, as well as we had John Warren on a few weeks back who was running for governorship, unfortunately did not win. Uh, but what a great uh, businessman he is, certainly, in regards to his company, Lima One, there in the upstate. We look forward to getting him back, actually, to hear the rest of the story. We had to cut that one a little short, and so we want to bring him back and hear more about uh, his journey through uh, his company and its all of its great success. So uh, we're turning the page. Here we are on July, what is today, the 7th. We are in July. Hopefully everybody had a great 4th this week in Charleston. Looked like it was going to rain. Turned out to be beautiful. And um, what a great 4th it was for the low country. And uh, hard to believe we're over halfway through 2018. And in tune with what we do every Saturday, bringing on great leaders and entrepreneurs to tell their story, we have another wonderful person in the studio this morning, Mr. Tim Smith, who is the president and founder of Windward Shutters here in Charleston. And uh, first of all, Tim, thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we uh, are looking forward to hearing your story. Now, I know a little bit more about you because actually you and I uh, actually had the opportunity to go to college together back in the day here at CFC. So uh, there may be some stories we just can't tell on the air today, but uh, yeah. we'll do our best to uh, give it justice and uh, give our audience all they can hear about your background. So, uh, Tim, before we dive into all the great stories of your business, um, take a second, or, I mean of your past, take a second and um, just you know, give us a little 20-second commercial on your company, what you do and what it's all about. Okay, so we uh, sell and install both decorative and impact-rated exterior shutters, basically if it's uh, for looks or for protection on the outside of the house, we do it. Um, we've been doing it now for 22 years. We Most of our business is here in Charleston, but we will travel. Uh, you know, we do some work in North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, but most of it's here in Charleston. And uh, we just recently expanded and moved to a new facility uh, in North Charleston. We're excited about uh, getting all the boxes unpacked and everything set up. But, uh, yeah, and we're... Uh, we're looking forward to another exciting hurricane season. Exciting hurricane season. Yeah. That's right. So here we are right at the kickoff of hurricane season. So what great timing to have you on. And yeah. we will definitely get into more details about your business and what you're doing and your success. That's going to be down the road a little bit. Okay. Uh, we're going to start off as we usually do uh, on the journey down memory lane. Let's talk about uh, your upbringing, uh, where you're born and uh, what was uh, sort of life like as a youngster in that household. 
Okay. Well, uh, real quick, I was uh, born in Athens, Georgia, which is why I'm still a rabid uh, Bulldog fan. Uh, also, you mentioned uh, we went to college Charleston together. Our, uh, I think our football team's still undefeated. Still, so, still rocking and rolling yeah, with that yeah. great schedule. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I, I definitely enjoy the uh, watching the Bulldogs. But uh, I grew up and we moved uh, around a little bit in Georgia as a young when I was a young kid, and then we settled eventually in Aiken, South Carolina, where I started kindergarten and went through high school there in Aiken. Um, and, uh, from there moved to Charleston where I've been for, uh, for 28 years. And so, so. uh, siblings growing up? Yeah. I have a little sister and a stepbrother. My, okay. uh, my sister lives here in Mount Pleasant. She's a couple years younger than my, uh, stepbrother is, uh, about 10 years younger than me and li- actually lives in Aiken still. Okay. And so, uh, give our listeners a feel for, as a youngster, what was life like in the household? Okay. So, uh, a lot of fun that was before all the technology obviously um so we you had, had manufacture fun by then right exactly we had uh 2000 acres of woods right outside the house called Hitchcock Woods which is still protected in there in uh Aiken I think it's one of the largest like protected areas inside a city limits uh maybe second only to the central park in in Manhattan uh but that was where I spent the lion's share of my time was out in the woods you know playing cowboys and indians and you know soldier and everything else having a good time uh with all my buddies and uh and what did mom and dad do so my dad he was an engineer he ran uh he went to school got his master's at georgia in uh, geology and that's when i you know when i was born was he he was in grad school but uh he ran a kaolin mine in a outside of aiken and kaolin's basically a mineral that is used in uh rubber and uh different plastics i think rubber made was one of their big clients but uh so he did that the whole time during my uh childhood and then my mother was a um like a special needs teacher as i as i was growing up gotcha and so um for you as a student you know you're uh, in school as a youngster were you uh studious were you more into sports and activities yeah i was not studious um I think I was diagnosed later on after college with uh, severe ADD, but they didn't have anything called that when I was a kid. But uh, now I wasn't a great student. I, you know, I kind of did whatever I had to do to get by from a from an educate, you know, grades standpoint. I was always interested in doing other things outside of uh, the classroom. But uh, so extroverted would be a good term. To use. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. And then in high school, give us a little idea what you were like in high school. So, uh, well, just real quick, I do want to mention uh, growing up, because we're here to talk about business, I, I am very proud of my first profession as a, uh, I think I was about seven or eight years old, I became a traveling uh, fig salesman in the in the neighborhood. Fig we, Newton, like? Uh, well, just figs. Just figs, okay. Yeah, huh? we had some fig trees in the okay. yard, and which I had never tasted anything worse they were i thought they were awful but apparently other people liked them so i would spend uh the mornings picking the figs off of the trees and i would put them in these uh like little strawberry basket type things you know they sell strawberries in and i would put them in a wagon and i would go door to door by myself and sell these uh figs for probably i don't know a quarter or something like that but um 
I'm not sure whose idea that was, but I remember doing it and it was pretty lucrative. So uh, other than the labor uh, and maybe the cost of the baskets, there wasn't a lot of uh, investment. There was uh, a lot of bee stings involved uh, picking the figs. But um, so that was my first uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then from there, I spent a lot of time. doing uh farm work on my grandparents farm in south georgia we spent a lot of summers uh there so um i definitely developed a very strong work ethic um for example one day i was dropped off with a a gallon jug of water in a field that i couldn't see the other side of and told to to weed it just to start (laughs) start on row one and just keep going and then they picked me up at lunchtime and then brought me back after or whatever but that was you know and we're talking the summertime so that was uh yeah i don't yeah i don't think my son would have been real keen on on me doing that with him uh and so (laughs) nowadays you don't you can't get away with that so so you had this experience on one end of going door-to-door in sales yeah. And making good money. And then you have this yeah. experience, you know, one of the hardest things in the world, right? Working on a farm yes. in the heat of the summer. Yeah. Um, as those moments are occurring in your life, uh, what was formulating your head as to what you wanted to do when you grow up? Yeah, I wanted to be the fig sales guy rather than gotcha. hoeing the the, uh, <laughs> the field, I was pretty sure. But yeah, I, um, you know, a lot of these things as a kid, you don't know what's normal and what's not normal you know i tell some of these stories to friends and they're completely blown away but to me as a kid that was just normal you know i mean you know one day i was weeding you know the crops and the next day i was cleaning out you know hog houses or something terribly disgusting i probably should have been wearing like a hazmat suit i I probably didn't even have gloves on but uh that was just you know i was told to do it and I did it and I got paid, you know, pretty handsomely actually for a kid. But, um, so, but yeah, it definitely taught me, um, what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do as an, as an adult or helped to steer that for sure. And so, uh, as you flow through high school years, um, give us some context around, uh, what you were thinking from that yeah. point forward. Okay. So, uh, so then that's where things get a little dark. My, uh, <laughs> My mother uh, was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma, and after years of uh, chemotherapy and bone marrow transplants and things of that nature, she eventually passed away when I was a freshman in high school, and that was a dramatic uh, change, to say the least. Uh, But um, prior to that, you know, she did a really good job of of teaching me, you know, values and integrity and everything, and uh, when she was still alive i started doing a paper route with her where she would drive and i would throw the you know do all the papers and um after she got sick i was given a uh, a moped by my father so i was able to keep doing the uh paper route which i did for a couple of years during high school but uh so high school was a little i was i felt a little um kind of uh not on a chartered course so to speak because all the structure from the parenting side really came from my mother so when she was gone my dad you know was working and uh had other responsibilities or whatever which he's a great father but still it wasn't you know as as active of of parental uh involvement there so uh i was a little bit lost um you know again i wasn't the greatest student I, i did enough to get by but uh eventually i decided it was a good idea to join the army 
Um, so I did this thing called split option, which is where you go you, as a 17 year old, you go to basic training the summer bef- between your junior and senior year of high school. And then you do advanced training after you graduate from high school. So before my senior year of high school, I had completed basic training at Fort Jackson. Wow. So yeah, that's a, a huge turn of events. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. 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 Um, talk a little bit about the experience of, you know, being in the military, obviously you were one of the youngest. Yeah. Yes, very young. I mean, there was a guy uh, in my platoon. There were sixty-seven people in the platoon, all sleeping in you know one room. And I think the oldest guy was close to forty. But there was very few people that were seventeen. And uh, I guess I didn't appreciate what you know how uh, how hard that was going to be mentally. Um, at 17 um because i was like oh my dad yells at me all the time you know what's the big deal but uh being away from home and knowing that you can't leave for that long and every day it was 77 days every day seems like it lasts you know three days just you know that that old saying we do more before 9 a.m than most people do all day it's true i would change it to like (laughs) 7 a.m you know when you're getting up at four four o'clock in the morning and it's every moment of the day is is scheduled out it's a it's a lot to do but i definitely again same with the farm work i learned that i was not great at being told what to do every step of the way i i you know i wanted to make my own decisions and kind of chart my own course and uh, although i think it's good for a lot of people and i am proud of serving you know i definitely knew that a career in the military was not in my future and by the way, in case you just joined us and uh, wonder whose voice that is you're listening to, is that of Mr. Tim Smith, who's the president and founder of Windward Shutters here in Charleston. And we're talking about him growing up in the Aiken area, and uh, we're just finishing through sort of the high school years. You're back and forth with uh, time in the military, and I know ultimately you landed here in Charleston, to College of Charleston. What drove that decision? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, the the part about me not being the greatest student kind of limited where I was going to be be able to go, as it does most people, I guess. But I really wanted to go to Georgia, but my father was convinced that I was not going to succeed in college, uh, so he didn't want to pay out-of-state tuition. So the we had a conversation where I agreed that I would go in-state my first year and uh, and then could transfer to Georgia, assuming I had the grades. So I looked at a number of schools, you know, Carolina, Clemson, College Charleston, and I had only been to Charleston once before and uh, came down here and just absolutely fell in love with it. And after that first year, I didn't even give any thought to transferring. I was, uh, I was, I was, right. yeah, I was happy. And you it came in what, 1990? So you came here yes. the year after Hugo. Correct. Yeah. You could still see, certainly out in the National Forest, there was a lot of evidence from the hurricane but you know and still downtown in the surrounding areas you could tell there had been a, a storm but i was i was not here during the uh you know during the storm so yeah, that was actually my freshman year so oh, wow uh, so yeah, you were so here. that was a, yeah. an interesting time yeah and and so being that you're in this business today you run and operate a, a business that uh deals with you know hurricanes and storms and preventive measures from that uh, did that time have any impact on the ultimate decision for you to get into that? Or in college, were you thinking anything about entrepreneurship at all? Well, uh, yes and no. I didn't know what a hurricane shutter was. So uh, that was not, you know, something that I considered to be in my future. But I did start a, uh, a shaved ice, I don't, you know, some people call them snow cones uh, business 
uh, on Shim Creek my junior year, I think, either my sophomore or junior year. And, you know, I didn't really make any money um, per se, but I, I was able to make as much as I would have had I been, you know, washing dishes or something probably. But uh, that was something where that was the first business I had where I had to, you know, get a business license, get a tax ID number, you know, deal with uh, the sign approvals with the city and, uh, you know, all these different things that you needed to, to do that they don't teach you in in college. Um, and the first year we were over on Shim Creek and paying a ridiculous amount of money in rent for a little piece of grass. And uh, former mayor Linda Page was one of my customers, and she said, uh, you should put this over – where my business is and i said well where's your business and she told me and i was like yeah that would be nice uh <laughs> because we didn't have the isle of palms connector at that point so all the traffic to the beach came right past uh pages thieves market and uh i said well what will the, would the rent be and she said there's not gonna be any rent so i moved <laughs> so she tough, let us be over, yeah, was yeah that was she was great it? she let us uh set up over there for the the you know the last summer that we did it and um it was uh it was nice being over there the a lot more sales there at the uh where the where the bridge would back up so you obviously have had several up to this point you know small entrepreneurial ventures in your life and we have this yeah. discussion a lot when Leslie's here we debate and talk with our guest about you know, sort of the uh, nature versus nurture aspect of entrepreneurship are you mm-hmm. born with it or is it something you cultivate over your life in your case do you think entrepreneurship was something you just you know, God-given skills, or it just developed for you over time? Yeah, I think uh, maybe a little of both. I certainly think I have the personality for, you know, was born with the personality for to be an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, the risks, the risk-taking involved and the, uh, you got to make decisions, you know, quickly knowing that those decisions aren't, aren't always going to be the right ones. Um, but, uh, and then some of the, of it being the experience, you know, the reason I st- started uh might be jumping ahead but the reason i started this business was because when i graduated uh the naval base had closed it was 1994 everybody was worried the economy was going in the toilet here in charleston and i went on about 40 interviews and i think only got asked back to maybe one or two additional interviews and never really felt like i had a solid shot at a job so um I started thinking more and more, you know, I, I'm going to have to do something on my own. If I'm going to be able to stay here, all my friends from college were m- having to move away to gotcha. find jobs. So walk us through that moment. I know it's been a while, but go back yeah. to that thinking of, all right, you know, this interview process isn't going great. If I'm going to stay yeah. in Charleston, i got to create and invent my own thing. What was the process mentally like of trying to come up with, you know, the right idea? Right. Okay. So before I started the business, after college, the, the ink is still drying on my diploma. I'm super excited about getting out in the workforce. Uh, each interview I go to, I get less excited because I don't feel like I'm making any progress. The, one of the reasons I joined the military was, hey, this is going to look great on a resume. Well, in those 40 interviews, I, I don't remember anyone ever mentioning the six years in the, in the Army Reserves, but, uh, so that really ended up not helping me, uh, at least for the jobs I was trying to get. You know, I was looking for something in sales or, uh, you know, uh, just something business related. Uh, so I ended up uh, landing at the uh, clam farm over on Folly Beach, um, working in, you know, basically 
doing manual labor and waste deep pluff mud and no seams and in the marsh uh kind of remind your day. days back on the farm huh? yeah six, at six bucks an hour and uh you know with a again with a college diploma you know four-year degree that was uh a little bit of a lesson in humility but um you know it was a i was able to pay what little bills i had at the time uh that way and uh from there i got offered a job as a first mate on a boat out of shim creek the thunderstar and that point there i think even more so than the military was a big uh a big less learning experience as far as leadership goes so I became the first mate immediately. I, did, I wasn't a mate and then worked my way up. They hired me as the first mate, and I just kind of had to trial by fire, figure it out. Um, and, you know, when you're making decisions on a boat, some some of those involve people's lives. You know, there's some dangerous aspects to uh, to being on offshore on a large boat. Um, you know, the anchor line, for instance, if you're not doing it right, you know, you could lose somebody. So, um, so that was, I, I think I le- learned a lot about leadership. I also learned that I wasn't going to be able to make the money that I wanted to make to feel comfortable and support a family doing that kind of work, which is why I got off the boat and started working at a, a lumber yard. And, uh, another lesson in humility, I was hired as the, uh, a management trainee, I think was the was the term but after they gave me a tour of the store the facility they handed me a broom and said now sweep it (laughs) so i quickly realized okay i'm not a manager i'm the low man on the totem pole again so uh from there i I just started really thinking i'm gonna have to do something on my own if i'm gonna be successful um one of my customers offered me a job installing uh windows making about three times what I was getting paid at the lumber yard. So I agreed to do that, even though I didn't really see a future in it. Um, and from there, we started installing hurricane protection. And uh, from there, I just started seeing a lot of opportunities that I didn't feel like were being pursued by the gentleman that owned that company. And he quickly went out of business, and then I didn't have a job. So then that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to create a job. So was that the aha moment for you or did that come later? I guess that was, you know, looking back on it, that was the aha moment. You know, I packed up the car and did a week long. I had a yard sale to earn some money and then took that money and uh, went on like a week long tour of Florida, visiting all these different manufacturing facilities and talking to people. And I think I was 25, maybe 24, 25. And uh, so I learned a lot about who I was going to be dealing with, you know, purchasing these products. And, uh, but it was a pro, it was certainly a process. I didn't have anyone there to tell me what to do or show me or teach me, um, how to get this thing going. So it was, a. it it took about, it took about a year to where I was seeing any type of anything that would remotely be recognized as a profit. You know, but it was uh, it was a learning experience for sure. So if you look back and there's folks out there mm-hmm. today listening who are aspiring entrepreneurs, those yeah. who are new in entrepreneurship, maybe just started an entrepreneurship. What uh, nugget would you be able to share now that uh, you look back and you reflect on that time and uh, certainly have 22, 23 years since that time of starting your yeah. business um, about getting started in business today? 
Okay, so uh, maybe an advantage and a disadvantage would be the fact that I never worked in the corporate world. So I just kind of had to wing it. Uh, so there's a lot of things that maybe I would – mistakes I probably would have made had I known more. Um, but I didn't make those mistakes because of how ignorant I was or naive, I guess, about how to get everything going the uh, the biggest mistake I think that people make when they start business is spending too much money up front. They think, okay, well, I need this, I need that, I'm going to need this. My system involved, okay, after I sell my fifth job, I'm going to buy a chair to sit in instead of this folding card table chair that I have at my desk right now. And I would have these different goals where I would reward myself with something that somebody else probably would have bought on day one. Um, and you can't, you can't do that if you're starting on a shoestring or you're, you're starting out, uh, you know, and this job is going to have to pr- produce your li- provide you with a livelihood. You, you can't spend money on things that aren't absolutely necessary. So I would say that the initial investment, uh, needs to be as little as possible and work your way up to those things that maybe the first day you think you need, but you can, in reality, get away with not Which having. Which is, in today's environment, extremely challenging, right? We're not, as as uh, as the times go today, very patient people. No, uh, it's a throwaway world. Right, we want yeah. everything today and now, and so, yeah. I mean, if you really look at the word bootstrap to its fullest extent, mm-hmm. your start of your business was exemplary of that. Yeah, it was $400, I think I started. I had $400. And I spent three of it on a home show that ended up being an absolute failure. So it was really a hundred bucks. I start. Let's call it a hundred bucks. So the good news is, if you yeah. only have a hundred dollars in your pocket today, yeah. there's hope that you can start your business and grow it from there. Right? Yes, you can one day be as happy and successful as, as but I. But you'll am. have to come back next Saturday morning to hear how to do that because we're That's out right. of time. Tim. Oh gosh, how about okay. that? It goes by fast. Wow. It? Okay. Well, I well, know again, everyone's Tim Smith, me. president and founder of Windward Shutters here in Charleston. Tim, thanks for the first part of your story. We're looking forward. To coming back uh, next week and to our listeners, certainly we appreciate you joining us each and every Saturday morning. And in case you happen to miss one of our segments, simply go to our website at CoastalWM.com. Just click on the radio icon and you can listen to not only Tim's show, but all of our shows over the last four years here on Beyond the Business. And until next Saturday, Charleston, have a blessed week and we'll look forward to sharing our time with you then. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7.30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.